0: It is altogether fitting and proper that this nation set aside a holiday weekend for special observance of those people who paid the greatest price and made the ultimate sacrifice and giving of their lives for their country. In remote areas like Valley Forge, Antietam, Shiloh, battles in Okinawa and the South Pacific, all the way to Normandy, France, and then on to the desert storm, the sands of Iraq and Iran. There are burial places and cemeteries. Some of the most well-kept areas you will ever see is American cemeteries in some of these foreign lands. If you've been privileged enough to visit some of those places, Most of them are much like Arlington in that they're very orderly. They're very well kept and well manicured. Our nation treasures and values people that lost their lives uh, in defense of the American way of life. We owe a tremendous debt of gratitude to those people for we could not be sitting here today unless those people made that kind of sacrifice. There are families. That have multiple people. I remember uh, when the when I first saw the movie Saving Private Ryan, I thought that was the most vivid and awful picture of the landing in Normandy, France. And uh, I've heard from people who, in my lifetime, I got to know them. Most of them are dead now, but I talked to them and they told me that that was the most accurate depiction of how it really was. and That when you watch that and you see limbs uh, uh, from people that are blown off and all kind of the most atrocious thing you can, can imagine and think that someone cared and loved their country and cared so much that they gave their lives and were in spite of all the fear and the trepidation that goes with a military maneuver and an encounter like that, that they were willing to brave those odds and uh, do unthinkable, remarkable things, that this nation is right to pay tribute to just such folks as that right there. The Bible tells us, and we'll deal with that a little bit later in the message, greater love hath no man than this, then he would lay down his life for a friend. That word friend is an important word. We sing the old song, if you've been around the Church of God very long, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. What a friend we have in Jesus. In fact, Jesus acknowledged his disciples as his friends. In Luke chapter 12 and verse 4, he addresses them as friends. And he's talking about not to be afraid of, of man who can destroy body, but to be afraid and to fear the fact that God has the ability to destroy both soul and body. And in that discourse, Jesus called his disciples his friends. There is a group of people called Quakers, that call themselves the society of friends. Did you know that all of us are actually, if you're redeemed, you're a friend, a friend. In fact, in John chapter 15, when we read about the various metaphors of being a a branch and connected to the vine, the Bible tells us that we are branches and that Jesus is the true vine. And that as long as we stay connected to him, then we have life and we have vitality and we have strength and we have nourishment and we have blessing and all of the good things that happen as long as we stay connected to the vine. That's a imperative that we must always be mindful of. Stay connected. Amen. Whatever Jesus is doing, that's what you need to be doing. Whatever Jesus is involved in, you need to be involved in that same thing because he, he puts it this way if you're not for me you're against me it's kind of the way it is that sounds a lot like soldiering and warfare doesn't it if you're not for me you're against me jesus said and we all have to take note of that and make sure that god always knows we are for him that we're for god we're for heaven we're for those things that that are spiritual, those things that make for peace and make for godliness and make for righteousness and that support and uh, hold the, the church in high esteem and high value. God wants his people to be friends. Amen. In fact, the Bible tells us that friendship with God is the most powerful thing on this earth. He said friendship with the world. The Bible said God is very displeased and very dissatisfied with us When we try to be friends with the world in fact he went so far as to say if you're the friend of the world you're the enemy of god boy that's drawing the line in the sand isn't it if you're enemies uh friends with the world then that makes you an enemy of god wow two diametrically opposed situations there and what a uh revealing and compelling comparison that is between friendship with the world and friendship with God and when we become sons of God and children of God led by the spirit of God then we must cut that that cord and cut that connection with the world in fact he said love not the world neither the things that are in the world for all that is in the world, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but it is of the world. Amen. We know that we're, we're friends and the fact that Jesus in parabolic illustrations tells us that we are friends one with another. He tells us over and over that we should love one another as a friend, The one that comes in the parable of the visitor who comes to knock at midnight, he's addressed as a friend, a neighbor even. God wants us to love and care for one another. Love one another. Did you you ever realize how much one anothering there is? Pray one for another. Love one another. Amen. Help and encourage one another. Pray with another. One another, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Well, all of that one-anothering is part of this, this friendship mentality that we all have. And I I want us to get that from this message today: that everyone who names the name of Christ is our friend. Friend, not just spiritually, but physically as well. Amen. Our friend. And i love it when i get together with my friends don't you there are people that are friends of mine that are probably closer to me than some of my family members are with me there are some friendships that are so strong and so binding that there's very little if anything i wouldn't do for my friends amen I, a fellow was working on my car this week and and uh, When I asked him how much, he said, well, I don't don't ever charge my friends. I don't ever make money off of my friends. I said, well, you got to make money somehow. (laughs) Amen. Amen. All of us have to do something to stay in business and take some. But this guy said, I don't do that with my friends. Whatever it costs me is what it costs them. Well, what a blessing that is. And I'll come back and do business with that guy, won't you? Amen. Friendship. Is, is a strong bond. i found that friendship in the, in the church and friendship among spiritual people is one of the strongest bonds. That if I can ever establish a friendship, a group that has so much in common that they call themselves friends, they'll get, a, get the job done pretty good. If you can do it with your friends, you're more apt to do it than you, if you didn't have friends working with you. You know what I mean? Amen. It makes it go a whole lot better if you've got someone going along with you in that journey, huh? Amen. Friendship with God is a a, a beautiful picture of what he has done for us. Not only that verse that I just quoted, but but in, in all aspects, knowing that I can go to my friend, the Lord Jesus, that I can go to my friend. The Bible said Abraham was a friend of God a friend of God. He knew the God, the Bible said, face to face. Moses was another that was a friend of God. Amen. And enjoyed those times of fellowship with God. Did you know that God wants to be your friend? He wants to have a relationship with you. And He wants to know you and know the things that are important in your life because those things are important to God too. In fact, the things that hurt you are the same things that God said hurt him. In fact, the Bible said he is touched by the feeling of our infirmity. Wow. Can you get that? The feeling, the emotion. It's not just enough to be physically hurting and ill, but all the emotion that goes along with that, that God is touched by the feeling of our infirmities. The Bible said he is a, he sticks closer than a brother. Closer than a brother. Wow, well, I I think I've, I've got brothers that if I were to call them today and say, I need you, they'd get in the car and come to wherever I am and do whatever they could to help me. And if God's love and God's, hallelujah, attachment to me is greater than my brother, then think, can you think about what? You don't have a friend like Jesus. Think about that. There's a song, I think, Mark, that goes like that. I have no friend like Jesus anywhere. I don't have a friend like Jesus. Praise God. And I'm thankful that He calls me friend. And I'm thankful that He walks with me and He talks with me. Praise the Lord. I'm glad that my, my friendship with God he renews me and he, he encourages me and He strengthens me. He helps me through my difficulties and He stands by me and He comes in when everybody else walks out. Amen. He is a, a, a true friend. And I'm so glad that He is our friend. Are you proud for the friendship of Jesus in your life? We often talk about the five senses in some of the socio-cultural writings, you'll, you'll find that a, a friend is, is a special kind of, it's unlike blood kinship and it's unlike those kind of things. It is a, a, a special situation. And that God gives us those five senses, which is touch, smell, taste, you know, those five. But he also gives us a memory. Did you know memory is a wonderful blessing of God? To be able to remember, you can go back to when your kids were little. You can visit and see them again through your imagination and memory. Through memory, you can recall things that, that happened many years ago, and you can relive that, and you can go through that in your mind. The, the, t- the day you got saved, amen. Uh, can you remember the time you got saved? Do you know where you were? Do you know who was preaching? Do you know those things? Well, you know that because you have a memory. And that memory that you have, that blessing of God in your life that allows you to be connected to things that have happened in your journey in this life. And I want to tell you that people in heaven now have a memory. Wow. You can go to the archive list and you could probably find the, the, the sermon about about memory and about remembering and those kind of things and remembering how that god has saved you and delivered you from all the the snare of the enemy and the devil you can remember you can remember times when you were were broken and you were ill and sick and couldn't get well and god healed your body you can remember times that you prayed for a need to be supplied but you didn't know how in the world it was ever going to happen but God somehow brought that about? I want to tell you, this miracle you're sitting in here called Harvest, this miracle that you're sitting in right now is because of the blessing of God. And it, it's, a, it's a, a, a memory that we have. When you remember back how this whole thing took place and how God did such marvelous things, even back to the church on the hill over there, John said yesterday, boy, we used to have some powerful services over on that hill, didn't we, Brother Jerry? And I said, Yes, we did. And when we came over to here and got in that metal building back there that we used temporarily, some of the greatest services I've ever been in in my life were in that old metal building. And I learned a real good lesson. It's not the beauty of your architecture. And it's not the size of the seating. It's not any of those things that pertain to the building. For if a building had something to do with it, that one sure wouldn't pass the test. But thanks be to God, we grew uh, during that time. And God blessed us and and gave us a ministry to preach to a global television audience of millions of people all over the world. I was talking with John about that yesterday. And we were just recounting how, how special and unique, that is, what, how many churches can say, we preach to the whole world? Right. Probably in those 17 years, we preached to more people than the church of God has ever, all of them put together, cannot compare to what one church did. Amen. Memory allows you to relive that. Memory allows you to think back to a time when you really needed God and God supplied a need. And I want to tell you, this miracle you're sitting in, God does that not just years ago. He's still doing it today. He's still doing it today. He's doing it this day. Amen. He'll keep on doing it because we keep being uh, our friend with God. We're we're, we're partners in this uh, thing. We're laborers together with God. I'm working with my friend. Amen. Amen. And I'm believing I, I know I have not seen nor ear heard neither have entered into the heart of man the things God has prepared for them that love him now that's not in the sweet by and by that's in the here and now God has prepared great things for this church right now in the present tense right now that eyes haven't seen ears haven't heard neither have entered into the heart of man. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God that we might know the things, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Everything that has happened in our history is because God gave good things to harvest through the Spirit, through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that marvelous that God, our friend, is still giving good things that eyes haven't seen nor ears heard? Right now in the here and now, God is at work planning our next blessing. I wonder where the next blessing is going to come from. Because God is an unlimited God. He is not not structured. He is neither bound by time nor space, but he is free to do his own good will. And if he wills it, he will perform it. Praise the God I serve and the God you love and worship. What a friend we have in our blessed God. And it's, that is so vivid in our spiritual imagination and our memory and our, our, our thought processes. How much more can our Heavenly Father take care of those who have gone on before us? This is a memorial day also for us spiritually because there are a lot of champions that gave their whole life for God and for His church. Right here at Harvest, Brother God has done marvelous things since that 17 people met in a building over on Mulberry Avenue and formed what is today Harvest Church of God. 17 folks. Boy, I wish I had them here this morning. I've got a whole area right here to put them in. All of them. Wouldn't that be something? I wonder if they Barbara could walk in here today in that humble little old frame, wood-frame building, and they come from that mill village and come and see a structure like this, they'd have to say, "No, nobody but God. Nothing but God could do something like that. Amen. (laughs) Nobody but God could bless in a way like that. You see, when Those people met together. And it's time to remember, hope you're following me, we're remembering about some great things that that we need to memorialize. And there was an evangelist, and his name was J.B. Ellis. So many churches accredited to his founding. Jacksonville was founded one year before this church, the Crumley's Chapel Church, the Alabama City Church over in, in Gadsden. The... He lived on Straight Mountain. He was a Methodist preacher, pastoring a Methodist church and teaching school in a one-room schoolhouse in Appalachia. Amen. Can you believe that? And there came to be a a strange, around 1886, there there came a a strange situation. There were people that were receiving some kind of phenomenon in which the, the Spirit of the Lord would come upon them. And they would receive what they called a a baptism in, by the Holy Ghost and with fire, they called it. They really wanted you to say the word fire also when you said Holy Ghost and fire. They even called some of them fire baptized. Amen. And that peculiar group of believers started popping up all over North Carolina and North Georgia North Alabama and Central and Eastern Tennessee and all, all around you were hearing about that happening. And a, a, a Methodist uh, pastor on his district, I believe Brother Ellis said, called and asked him if he would come down there and straighten out a problem. He said, well, what is the problem? He said, we've got some people down here that are receiving some kind of a strange spirit, they say. And they call it baptism in the Holy Ghost and with fire. And said, I'd like for you to come over if you would, please, and correct the error that's going on over here at this church. Well, a couple of days later, Brother Ellis started over to correct the error, and he received a phone call, or I guess it was a phone call. If they had phone calls, maybe a rider, a circuit rider, I don't know. But they got him word and said, There's no need to come anymore. Said, the whole church has now received the baptism with fire so there's no need for you to come and correct anything he said in fact i've received that baptism myself and such was the case of it seemed as if something were spreading uh, it reminds you of the scripture that says that it spread no further let us straightly charge these that they preach no more in this name. Amen. They, the Bible says, and they wondered whereunto it would grow. They weren't worried about it dying out. They wondered whereunto it would How big is this thing going to get? Amen. And in that kind of vein, now what you need to see is this. 1917, when all of this was going on here, The world was at war. That's World War I. Not only was the world at war, but there was a great uh, epidemic of pneumonia and the flu epidemic that killed millions of people all over the globe. In fact, the world population was reduced by one-third by a flu epidemic. My Aunt Bertie had two of her children die in the same day same day wow what a terrible and atrocious time it was plus prohibition had just been established and we had roaring 20s and we had gangland murders and everything going on plus a depression that happened in 29 and all of those things put together it was a lot of gloom despair and agony on me as the hee-haw would say And in the midst of all of that hurt and all of that death and all of that chaos and all of that, that karma, in the middle of all of that, God raised up a church. I said, God raised up a church. God raised up a church. Right in the midst of all of that, seemingly not a chance. No way, that can't happen. How can God raise up a church when people are dying and the world is fighting and crime is out of control? How in the world can God possibly raise up a church? Well, there's something about that Holy Ghost with fire that once you get that kind of enthusiasm and that kind of zeal in your heart, very little can stop you. Amen. You receive a determination to go on with God and, and to be something that God would be proud of, to, to be a part of ministry that changes the, the life of people all over the world. Isn't it good that memory can bring that back to us and in your mind's eye, you can just have that, that, that picture of how God did that. The first pastor of this church The notes, the research that I've I've done on it, I can only find his last name. He was, we'll just call him Pastor Watson. His name was Watson, very first pastor of this church, Reverend Watson. Well, there was a guy after him. I finally got a note from a lady and uh, she gave us the name of the second pastor. His name was Nelson. And I don't have a first name. So we'll just have to call him Pastor Nelson. So what we're doing here today is celebrating Memorial Day physically for this country, but we're also spiritually, hallelujah, having a memorial service for our friends. Our friends that have outstripped us and have gone on and they're there. And they have written me a special note for every one of you. In fact, I've got a personal note for every one of you from someone who is in heaven now and I'm going to read it to you at the end of the sermon this morning. Oh boy, I got your attention then. We're going to get to read your mail. <laughs> the Bible said God is faithful. God is faithful. And the rest of that Gretchen says, who also will do it. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. Can you believe that God had that little humble group of 17? They weren't among the world's elite. They weren't rich. They weren't educated in a, to higher education. They didn't know anything like that. Most of them were just common mill workers that operated the mill in the mill village. That's the only life they'd ever known. Their father and mother did it before them. They took it up and became mill workers as well. Just common people, nothing really special about them. But there was something special about that Ellis man that walked into Anniston, Alabama, and began preaching that gospel of grace and forgiveness and power in the Holy Ghost, amen. And when he left town, he left a group of believers there in the care of Reverend Watson to carry on the Aniston Church of God. Can you believe that? David said, The lions are fallen out from under me in pleasant places. Yea, mine is a goodly heritage. Did you know you've got a goodly heritage today? And we, by memory, can go back and visit those things. The first pastors didn't have a whole lot to work with, and it wasn't long in 1926 when the church split. We had a situation in Cleveland where another denomination came out of the rift that we had within the church. And today we have a group good group of believers there, our brothers. I've been part of a committee and research to try to put things back together. And we, we still have an effort going on to do that because it's God's will that we be friends. And it's God's will that we be brethren. And it's God's will that we be reconciled because that's part of this whole thing of knowing God and having His Spirit within us and the good things He has prepared for us. You need to pray that we'll be able to pull that off and to get that to happen. It needs to happen. I said it needs to happen. It needs to happen. When the split took place, the other church stayed with the property there on Mulberry, which put a group of people out that didn't even have a church. No building. So you know what they did for about, oh, three or four years, you ought to see the notes. They, they met at Sister May what was that? Neighbors. Sister May Neighbors. Faye's nodding her head. She's the only other one around here that's old enough to tell you I'm telling you the truth. For, sorry about the boogie-woogie end. And then another note would come up. We were at the home of Reverend and Mrs. General D. Garner. G.D. Garner. Can you believe that? It wasn't long before the, the pastor they elected, the pastor they met, was a young single guy. Wow. His name was Colin Dunn. You knew Colin Dunn, didn't you? Colin Dunn was a, a fellow who had a good sense of humor. He used to call his pocket on the inside of his coat the world. And he'd pull a dollar bill out of his coat to put in the offering. And he'd say, that's the last dollar I've got in the world. (laughs) Colin Dunn was quite a character, but he served as pastor of the church. He married a, a wonderful lady during the time that he was pastor. He was 21 years old when he took the church. And single, You probably wouldn't vote for him today. Isn't it good that he was back in a different time, wasn't it? Amen. Well, we had another guy. And if you're Church of God, you've been around Pentecost, and you know this name, George Britt. George Britt was one of the prophecy preachers. He and Albert Batts and a few of those guys. Albert Batts used to pastor Dayton, Tennessee also. So he got his ticket punched to go to heaven, didn't he, Brother John? Amen, because he pastored Dayton, praise the Lord. Well, we made it up to around, I think it's 1940, and suddenly the world is at war again. And God gave this great church right after a man named Albert Reed. You knew Albert Reed, too. Albert Reed was a toe-the-line holiness or hell Pentecostal preacher, ha! Glory to God, ha! Gonna go to hell, ha! If you don't get right with God, ha! (laughs) Boy, he was tough as nails, Albert Reed was. Amen. But right behind him, God sent you a wonderful pastor. Not you, I hope you wasn't living back then. (laughs) A man named T.G. Pearson became the pastor at Harvest during the war years. And he pastored for about five years until 1946. And then probably one of the greatest pastors that people know about in this area, A.L. Burroughs, came to pastor Harvest. It was 17th Street. Well, it was 16th Street back then. They owned the block, so instead of facing the church one street, they just turned it around and faced the other. So they became 16th Street, and then they became 17th Street. Well, Brother Burroughs stayed for quite a while, and he left after about nine years and went to the Pike Avenue Church in Birmingham. And a wonderful, wonderful brother, one of the greatest friends I ever had in the world, and a friend of our family, Frank Sides, S-I-D-E-S, Sides, became the pastor at Harvest. And we went through that that. Saga through their long term brother side stayed twelve years. Second to Jerry Irwin, he's the longest tenured man you got. And uh, but unfortunately, twelve years is not even close to this guy. Talk to him a little bit more later. Then we have had brother hmm, was was it brother Mac Duffy in nineteen seventy one Henry Mac Duffy. Do y'all remember Henry? He didn't stay but about 10 months, so I could understand you, you not knowing him. Uh, he was NFL, not for long. So he, he left and went back to Mobile. Jay, he, he liked it in Mobile better. So he went back down to Crichton and uh, upstart preacher from somewhere over here in, Cleburne County named O.V. Sewell. (laughs) I'm going to tell you, boy, this church got a gem when you got O.V. Sewell. One of the most blessed men that I've ever known in all of my life was O.V. Sewell. And you're talking about a man that's for his pastor. He'd just about fight you over his pastor. He never missed the Pastor Appreciation Day, never missed the Pastor's birthday. He was a pastor's kind of guy. I'd ask him, I said, Brother Sewell, would you like to preach? He said, No, no, no. No. You're the preacher. I retired from that. You preach. Always was just so accommodating. Everything that was to be done. He was right there in the middle of it all. I loved O.V. Sewell. I was. Preparing this, and we're going to give a salute in just a minute to all of our people on our, in our history that have served the church and pastors and superintendents, Sunday school superintendents and clerks and all of them, and let them receive some uh, praise for their work among us, amen, as we remember them and memorialize our friends, amen. What a, what a blessing O.V. Sewell was. He was so quick-witted. I wish that I had his wit and could think on my feet as quick as O.V. Sewell could. We were on a plane flying to the Holy Lands on one of the many trips we took in the 90s uh, to Israel, and Howard Watkins, there's a name from the past, he was up walking around Mark and uh, I believe it was a Mark that said to him, he said, Brother Howard, Said, you might ought to get somewhere and sit down in that seat of yours because if this plane was to go down, they wouldn't know who belongs in that seat. And Brother Sewell said, I'll tell them. I wish I was that quick. Amen. I was about to, about to say that all of our staff members are still living. I got it right. He finally gave me a thumbs up. The only staff member that we have that has gone on is Brother Sewell. All the others are all still living. How about that? Praise God. That means if you work for Brother Jerry, you live a long time. You stay alive. What about that? So over the years, God has blessed us and given us great people. Henry McDuffie, buddy, that guy could sing, couldn't he? Buddy old Henry MacDuffie, I used to love to hear him sing. Him and his brother and his his sister-in-law, they were great. I loved them. But they chose to go back and we got Brother Sewell. Well, Brother Sewell came from Christ. came from Mobile and let Henry go. Henry just loved Mobile and he didn't like Anniston too much. In fact, they were loading his truck while he was preaching his last sermon. Faye's nodding her head. I got that one right too, huh? They were out there at the parsonage putting his furniture on the truck while he was preaching his farewell. How about that? He said, when I get through preaching this sermon, I'm going to walk out that door right there and get in my truck and drive it to Mobile, Alabama. <laughs> Amen. Well, it wasn't long. Who did we get after, after Henry? I believe it was uh, C.E. Landreth. Brother Landreth? Yeah, I think it was Brother Landreth. And then we got Brother Franklin. Amen. We got Brother Coker served somewhere back in there right, right before Brother, right before Brother Sides came. Because Brother Burroughs worked it out for him to come. That's what it was. A. V. Coker was the pastor. A.V. V A V didn't stay very long either. He just stayed long enough for Ann to get married. So Ann married Aaron here in the church. And I think I think Brother Coker was about 14 or 15 months. And he said, he said, I I want to ask you something, A.L. They were real good friends, me and Brother Burroughs. And he said, I'd like for you to tell me why it, why it was that, that this I, I wasn't able to get things going at at uh, Anniston like that. And Brother Burroughs I'm saying, he used to tell you that. Every time before he'd answer your question, Brother Burroughs would do that little. <laughs> one of these days, Brother Co- he called Brother Coker Bo. He said, one of these days, Bo, I'll tell you. <laughs> Last count I had, Brother Burroughs never even told him. They used to fuss about the craziest things. They were riding down to go, and I'm memorizing. Okay, I'm not doing memories. They were on their way to go rabbit hunting, and they were riding down the road, and they got uh, kind of down the way toward Tuscaloosa. They were going to Aliceville, and the car ran hot, and they pulled into the service station. And the guy told them, said, well, I'll uh, uh, tell you what, it's going to take me a while to change that water pump out. I said, I've got a car out there. If y'all can take it and go on hunting if you want to. It was a Volkswagen. <laughs> Brother Coker's a pretty big man. And Gene Rice is a pretty big man. And Bobby Brown is a pretty big man. And you put four men and a dog <laughs> in a Volkswagen and you got a load. And if you could hear Bobby Brown tell it, he would tell you they put the dog in the middle. And he said, I had a preacher on both sides of me, so I couldn't move and said I was wedged in, said that dog got to licking me in the face. (laughs) And I started dodging that long tongue on that bird dog. Wow, memories are good, aren't they? They went by a a dead animal laying in the middle of the road. And Brother Coker said, Well, that old rabbit didn't make it to the other side, did he? Brother Burroughs said, Wasn't a rabbit, it was a cat. He said, it was not. It was a rabbit. I distinctively saw it. It was a rabbit. No, it wasn't. It was a cat. Gene turned the Volkswagen around said, well, I can settle this. Drove back. And Brother Burroughs refused to get out of the car and look at it. He said, I don't have to look at it twice. I saw it the first time. It was a rabbit. And refused to get out and go see whether it was a cat or a rabbit or not. They had a lot of good times. They were good friends. Sometimes friends do stupid stuff like that, don't they? Sometimes they do. Memories are a gift of God, and you can revisit things like that. And isn't it wonderful to laugh about something that happened a century and a half ago? Wow. And that God does such marvelous things in our minds and our hearts. Neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love Him. You know, soldiers are special people, and the Bible said they endure hardness. They endure hardness, and they sacrifice, many times sleeping on the ground, no water to drink, no food to eat, and in, in, enduring the hardness. The Bible said as spiritual soldiers, we're supposed to do that, that same thing, as the major hardships, that come our way as soldiers of the cross. Endure hardness. 2 Timothy 2, 3 and 4 said, endure hardness as a good soldier, and soldiers must focus on the task at hand and not become involved in civilian affairs that we may please him that called us to be a soldier. With Christian soldiers, it's the same way. You endure hardness. There's some tough times for Christian soldiers. Have you ever had a battle? Have you ever had a problem? Have you ever had a difficulty? Have you ever had a hardship? Have you ever had to just be bold and determined and just stick to it until you got through it? Have you ever been at a place like that? That's part of being a Christian soldier. I've known a lot of recruiters, the Brownings. Do y'all, anybody remember the Brownings? One, two, three. Buddy, I'm going a long ways back. Baby. He was on the pastor's council at Harvest also, but he was a captain in the U.S. Army. And they sent him to somewhere in Georgia. He was a recruiter. And I asked him I, one, one day, uh, I said, Do you always tell people the truth when you're trying to recruit people for? soldiering and to be a soldier in the army. You, you are truthful with them. You talk to them about bivouac and you talk to them about five mile marches and you talk, he said, well, sometimes we just don't tell them everything. <laughs> sometimes for Christians, they just don't tell us everything. But when we sign up to do what God wants us to do and be a soldier in God's army, That means that we have to travel on and we have to be determined to be focused and do the things that we're supposed to do. After Brother Sewell, Ed Smith came to pastor this church. He was such a wonderful blessing to this church. Worked hard, did a lot of great things for the church. And then after him was Alton C. Bristow, my good friend that I followed when I came to harvest. Al was such a blessed, humble man of God. I loved him. He's the administrative assistant to the state overseer now. Many, many years he and I prayed together and worked together. I want to give a salute this morning to all of those people. All of those wonderful, God-fearing, Bible-believing people that just hung in there over the years. Some people like a little lady named Sister Tankersley. Sister Tankersley had a cancer on her face. It was very unsightly, and bless her heart, she was very self-conscious about it. But for many years, she would sell fried pies out at the mill. She knew when the lunch time was, and she knew when break times were and she'd go out to the mill and she would sell fried pies to make money for the church what a blessed sister she was I loved her she wasn't able she was bedridden when I came she was one of the first pastoral visits I made when I came to harvest was to go by and see Sister Tankersley she rode the church van we had about three vans then Carlos would drive one of them and I'd drive one and Randall or somebody would drive another. But we saw to it that all of our older folks that didn't have transportation would get to church. Amen. Buddy, I learned a lot of things riding the church van. I found out a lot of things I would never, ever have known if there hadn't have been a church van. If you think those little old ladies don't know what's going on, you better think again. Mall Bell, Microsoft has no program and no equipment that can match the accuracy of women who find out things and know what they're talking about. (laughs) Amen. Good times. They get to singing sometimes. And when we'd stop the van to let them get out and go to their door, they'd go to shouting. Sister Edwards was one of those. She'd get to shouting. We'd we'd be singing, Oh, I want to see him look upon his face, there to sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory let me lift my voice. Cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. And Sister Edward said, stop this van, let me out. And I'd say, well, are you all right? Yeah, but I'm not going to be if you don't stop this van. And she'd get out on the side of the road and she'd do the dancing and she'd, woo, praise God. You know, sometimes they didn't have a whole lot of dignity. They'd shout in front of anybody. They weren't ashamed of the fire of that Holy Spirit that they had received. Blessed people. Blessed people. People that love God and love the church. Come on, Olivia. Sunday school superintendents. Ken Goodwin was Sunday school superintendent when I came. No, he had just resigned when I came. And Terry Stamps was the Sunday school superintendent when I came. Terry had a a bar and it had years on it for years of perfect attendance. I think the last time I checked, he had something like 16 years of not missing a Sunday. Wow, how about that? I mean, there's just stacked right down in, On Sunday mornings, you could see him when he come in the door, he'd have that on his lapel pocket right there. And all of those years down through there. I told him, I said, you've got the record as far as I'm concerned. I don't know anybody that can beat that. I don't know anybody that can beat that. Terry was a very special young man and loved the Lord with with all of his heart. Clerks of the church, Woody Wilkinson, John Wooster, Clayton Hanvey, missionary, missionary. Everybody all over the church of God all over the world knows about Margaret Gaines. There were just some great people over the years. People like Helen Smith. Before, when we had a death in the church, before I could ever get there, Helen would be washing dishes or doing something when I got there. She always beat me. Always ahead of me. Thank the Lord. She was such a caring person. Helen Smith, Sister Messer, Sister Hazel Messer, Faye's mother. What a blessing she was to me. Jeff, when she got ready to go to heaven, she, she told me, she said, Brother Jerry, said, I, I'll tell you right now, the, there's a blessing in front of me and a, a wonderful thing in front of me. And said, I, I'm ready to go. Ready to go. Isn't it good for all of us to know that we're ready, ready. My day may be today. Someone said to me one time, said, Pastor, uh, the, this this person or that person's terminal. I said, we're all terminal. I'm terminal. Amen, I'm terminal. As you're looking at me today, you, I'm terminal. Amen. Amen, could be today, could be tomorrow. He'll return in robes of pure white. I'm packing up now, getting my things together. Who knows, he may come tonight. Oh, I know, I know, there's no doubt about it. He lives in my heart, and I'm going to shout it. We had shouting people all the way. Cecil Guthrie would come in on Sunday mornings before you ever got to the pulpit to read a verse or to say a a word, Cecil Guthrie would come in the door and he'd say, amen, glory to God, hallelujah, praise his name. And just about that loud too. And I remember so, so well, if it ever hadn't rained in a while, he'd come down that aisle after he got through saying, hallelujah, glory to God, we need rain, people, we need rain. He taught the junior boys Sunday school class. All the Hanvey boys were in there and all of the Crumley boys, they were all in there in that junior boys Sunday school class. What a history we have. Great teachers in those classes. they very colorful gentleman named Ben Smith. Most of you probably never got to meet Ben Smith. Ben was a praying man. He was a loud praying man. And he used to love to get to church early and he'd get down in the basement of the church and find a room, wouldn't even turn the light on. And he'd just go to prayer. And when he prayed, he'd bellowed, Oh, God, oh, God, oh. Well, one night on one of my very rare occasions to ever be late for anything. <laughs> shut up now. I came in, I said, well, I'll just go through the basement uh, tonight, and I'll I'll come up the back way up through there. And I don't know why he was so quiet at that time, but he was laying in the floor. (laughs) Well, I'm in the dark. I walk in, and I say, well, I'm not going to turn any lights on or anything. You know, I I know where everything is. The switch is here and there, there. I know where I'm going. So I was just feeling my way around. And uh, when I got in pretty well where it was just black, I I hit something on my foot and I said, and I heard him go, (laughs) Now brother, I do some pretty rare things when the Holy Ghost gets on me. But buddy, that was some some stuff that I'm telling you, he liked to scare the devil out of me. We, we, we have strange characters at times one night I w- was there and Carrie was there and walked out and, and somebody was in the church standing up in the baptistry and I said what you doing he said just thinking about God I said God bless you <laughs> for baptistry at midnights when you want to find God go to it brother Please, God amen God is a good God isn't he Wonderful memories, great memories. I uh, had, a, had a guy one night, I, I think he thought he was going to run through the wall. He was standing there and he was just kind of staring at it, you know. And I looked at him and I said, don't even think about it. My Lord, I don't know what he had planned, but he was staring at that wall. and I thought, great, Lord, he's going to kill himself. Great members have one. One week we we, we needed a, a real big offering, didn't get it over the weekend, and had to, and on Monday morning I was driving up and I stopped at the mailbox and there was a square with brown paper around it and kite string wrapping it up, and I got it out of the mailbox and carried it on up and set it on the. Eventually I cut the string. Put it was five thousand dollars in twenty dollar bills. You believe God answers prayer and supplies needs? Supplies needs. And I could tell you that story over and over. Amen. How God has come to our rescue and helped us. Great people. Great people. Elsa Russell. Great, great person. Ministry person. Started a work at the Calhoun County Jail that's still going today. But she started. Came to me and she said, Brother Irwin, I want to do jail ministry. I said, have you ever done it before? She said, No. I said, well, what do you want to do it now for? She said, God wants me to. I said, well, okay, I'm just going to tell you, workers that are willing to go to jail are few and far between. I ain't got anybody on a list anywhere that wants to go to jail. She started going by herself. And eventually, Tanetta, people started getting saved and started getting touched of God and down at talladega at the at the prison down there on a sunday morning they were watching this church have church amen 30 or so inmates was going to the rec room down there and watching us have church and several of them got saved one of them we got him a suit of clothes and got him a ticket back to his home to his family in north carolina And helped him he got saved and he was the principal one to gather all those people together for service that was started by Elsa Russell she came to me one time she said brother have you got anybody that can play a lick with any kind of instrument at all I said no and she said well I need somebody just to just to pick out something that I can sing with those people and I said I'll get on my alert and I'll see if I can find somebody that would do that Next Sunday, she came in, she said, Brother Jay, you know that conversation we had about finding me somebody said, uh, Leroy found me a guitar in a pawn shop and said, uh, they showed me how to strum it a little bit and said, I can do amazing grace. And said, that's all I need. You can forget about finding me somebody. I've got amazing grace. You see, when somebody's really called to do something, They'll find a way. I said, they'll find a way. I said, they'll find a way. (laughs) Wonderful people over the years that have done great things. There was a couple of guys that worked together. I'll, I'll let it go with this. If you ever needed anything done, these two, Oscar and Mel, would help you get it done. They would do everything from dig ditches, put down cables, fix commodes, that mountain over there where we were, John, was full of water. Brother, you could dig anywhere on that mountain and you'd hit water quick. As a result of it, it had sinkholes all over it. We poured, I don't know how many loads, Dolores, of concrete in those holes over there, trying to fill them up. I remember one Sunday morning when Oscar came in, and he walked up to me and he said, Brother Jerry, and he, he, he'd do that cloak, throat clear. And do, <laughs> Brother Jerry, <laughs> we got a problem out here in the uh, parking lot. I said, what's the matter, Oscar? He said, well, you better come look. Somebody had drove, what kind of automobile was that? Jaguar, I think it was a Jaguar. Rocky, you help. Rocky's nodding his head. It was a Jaguar. It had parked out in the parking lot and the whole parking place had sunk, fallen out from under that thing and that car would wham. Not just an ordinary car, a Jag. How do you tell a visitor at your church, this is the church you need to come to. This is where, it's God, brother. God's just trying to tell you. This is where. (laughs) Well, I got to quit telling stories. But all of these are our great friends. And I want to give you a verse of Scripture that is that answer to what I was talking to you about before. It's in John chapter 1 and verse 14. You can stand with me if you'd like. Sorry for getting lost in memory world, but I do that sometimes. Third John chapter 1, verse 14. Got a message for you from all you folks that are on the other side. But I trust I shall shortly see thee. Now you hope they're wrong about that, I know. Might as well just be honest about that. You don't want to get in on that trip none too soon. But on the other side, they're saying, I hope it's short. I trust that I shall see, shortly see thee. And we shall speak then face to face. Peace be to thee. Our friends salute you. Greet the friends by name. All of our friends on this side wanted us to say hello to you and let you know that we love you and we care about you and you do the same with all the friends that's on that side. Those that have gone on, peace be to thee, our friends salute you. We're waiting. Hope to see you soon. And when we do, we'll be able to talk it all over. Talk it all over our friends salute you praise the lord i've got more to go to heaven for than i had yesterday and our friends that have gone on before us thanks be to god we're anticipating a wonderful glorious day of reunion this is not the end it's memorial day and we're thinking about all of our folks that have gone on and especially the soldiers that have died on foreign soil. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, therefore, you friends that are on this side, therefore, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's be good citizens this morning on this Memorial Day, and let's pledge allegiance to the flag. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light, what so proudly we hailed at the bright light's last gleaming, whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight o'er the ramparts we watched banner yet wave o'er the land of the free and the whole. I need to remember not to pitch that so high, Brother Don. Next time I do that. It's been good to be in God's house today. And I pray that all of you will have a most blessed and glorious Memorial Day weekend. Be safe and travel uh, safely. We love you and appreciate you so very much for you are my friend. My friend. Thank you, God, for allowing us To celebrate today and memorialize the sacrifice that was paid by our friends who laid down their lives so that we could enjoy freedom and peace and all the benefits and blessings and prosperity of being an American. I love you and I praise you and I thank you for the history of this church that alongside the history of this nation has been so remarkable and so wonderfully touched by God's grace in hand. Now I ask you to go with our people and keep them safe from harm and danger. And Lord, I pray that that day that we see approaching, when we'll be together with all of our friends in heaven, we just pray, oh Lord, that that day will become such a blessing and an encouragement for us to travel on. We love you, praise you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. And everybody said amen. 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 Happy... Memorial Day.